Super Talk Mississippi media production. Running a business is tough. If you're struggling with HR benefits and payroll, you're not alone. Many businesses just don't have the resources to keep up. That's where MWG Employer Services comes in. We provide a full range of employer services with everything from payroll to benefits to HR services and compliance and can create a custom plan that fits your needs and budget. We're a Mississippi-based company that can help you focus on what you do best, growing your business. Call MWG Employer Services today at 601-206-7966 or go to MWG Employer Services You're listening to Sports Talk Mississippi On Demand, presented by Pearl River Resort. Escape to Choctaw, Mississippi and enjoy world-class gaming, the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, and Geyser Falls Water Park. Escape to Pearl River Resort. To the junction, in the grove, and to the top. This, this is Sports Talk Mississippi. On your radio and in the game. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Tuesday edition. What a great Tuesday. This is Michael Borky, Brian Haydad with you. We've got a big show planned because, as you know, it's the start of the NBA. Wait, none of you. <laughs> None of you care at all. It is the start of the NBA season, but again, none of you care at all. Not one bit. It's football season, and obviously that's what we're talking about today. You guys know the routine by now. Tuesday we're talking lines. We'll talk some Southern Miss with Jason Baker coming up here in about 30 minutes from right now. You'll hear from Lane Kiffin. You'll hear from Mike Leach. We'll talk about a premise that is going on around The college, well, not really the college football world. It's more like people in this region of the country. The debate happened last night. And uh, Brian Haydad's buddy, Brandon Walker, I actually saw it because of him. And he was spot on with his rebuttal of a ridiculous narrative that is out there now. Uh, I mean, it's just nonsense regarding this Tennessee team. So we'll talk about all that coming up here on the show. Richard's off doing whatever. Yeah, I I don't know, but he's doing something. Doesn't matter. It it does not matter. I want to I want to give a special shout out to all my fans at Inside the Rebels. Yeah, I appreciate you guys. They love me over there. Somebody started a thread like oh, I hate that, hate that, and then like twenty people were like, Nah, he's great, hilarious, <laughs> objective, gives us credit all the time. Like one guy's like he's called Lane Kiffin the best play caller in college football today. <laughs> Thank you guys. I love you too. We can never be family, but we can maybe be friends. They probably like you more than me. I've got a friend that... Nobody likes you. Good point. I like Um, you, but like outside of these four walls. Yeah, nobody. I've got a friend. I I don't even know if I can call him a friend anymore because the only real conversations we have anymore is when he's sending me things from message boards where people are saying mean things about me. Like, that's all our conversation (laughs) is. It's like, do you like me? You're just trying to insult me. Like, I am insulated from that world. And and, and just every day it's like, well, Six Pack said this, or Elite Dog said this, or the Old Miss Spirit said this. It's like, why are you? You're torturing me right now. Yes, people don't like me. I get it, but like, why do you do this to me? I, I get them sent once a week at least. Is is our well, conversation? You know, it's it's when you okay. We got. I got to be careful because I don't consider either one of us to be celebrities or to be famous or anything like that. Right? Oh, we're we have super a niche audience. 
Okay. We have a niche audience of people who know who we are in this state. Okay? Maybe maybe a little bit out of the state, but for the most part in the state. It's just unusual to our friends who grew up with us that there are people talking about us. and Like, like when I went to the coast earlier this year, I went with a friend of mine who I had not seen in a number of years, right? And so I had four or five people like, hey, love the show, appreciate you know, think you're great, blah, blah, blah. And his mind was just blown. He's like, I don't understand. I don't understand <laughs> how this happened. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't sit right with me. So, you know, your, your, your friend, it's basically your friends trying to show you. You made it. When you got haters, you made it. Yeah, and David says, I'm on Cobra Kai. That, yes, I, I am a celebrity. No, You are. Um, there's a stand-up comic, I forget who said it, uh, that, that was talking about how he got a new girlfriend, and, and he was about to go on tour, and she talked about how, you know, she was worried that, you know, when you go on tour and you're a star, that, you know, women throw themselves at you. And he was like, I- I'm a comic. The only guys, or the only people that come up to me after the shows wanting to hang out are dudes with, like, a bag of weed. <laughs> what do you think I do on the road? <laughs> Which might be great at the time, depending on your, on your, 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 your preferences. But. It's like, you don't have to worry yeah, stuff like about that. women. Women don't come to my show. <laughs> no. I have, I have yet, in my travels, to come across a woman who's like, are you Brian Haydad? I haven't had that happen yet. I'll let you know if it does, though. I promise. You. We've got we got two that that I know of that ha- have reached out to us or me individually, Paula and Serena, and then Debbie in Ocean Springs. But I have met Paula in person, and Serena's a listener in mm-hmm. Oxford. Paula's a wonderful lady. Doesn't agree with us much, mm-hmm. but it doesn't matter. Oh, she is. A, doesn't agree a, with me at all. Yeah, <laughs> I'm still waiting on her cookies. By the way, I was told she makes the best cookies, she, and I haven't had them yet. She brought Richard some when you weren't there. Oh, Paula! But not on purpose. Not on purpose. I remember it was. Right. It was at Visit Oxford. This is a few years ago, and it was just Richard yeah. that day by by himself there. I was here, and I think it was Visit Oxford. Either Who way, she brought him cookies and said, "Where's Hayden?" Right, well, so I know. I know for a fact. I, I, we've done it every year. I, I I don't know for a fact, but I will make the assumption that we are doing our Visit Oxford remote the Monday before Thanksgiving, like we always do. So, Paula, you be I, ready. I don't know, but we we hope so. Well, I mean, I'm gonna I'm gonna reach out now. I'm gonna confirm because I want cookies. <laughs> I, I, if that's happening, I want Miss Paula to show up with some cookies for me. Six zero one eight seven nine. I'm making the text right now though. Ninety five. Uh, Twitter was a little testy this weekend. By the way, did you get any of that? I I had a, 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 no. a dozen people or so. Like for for the I didn't jump into anything contentious. Too. I mean. Like, yeah. like I, I, I said I made a joke by the way. So and it almost backfired on me. People didn't like that. It, that I said after Ole Miss scored their third touchdown to go up twenty-one to nothing. I said something like, and I don't remember exactly what I said. Yes, I saw this yeah, tweet. Yeah, yeah, yeah Lane's yeah. going to be mad that the student section's leaving this blowout early, and then Auburn scored a couple of touchdowns, and people were like, "Delete this!" And then I got, "Nobody's leaving you, expletive idiot." I was like, "I, I know I was." Joking about the game being ugly, and because of that, people are going to leave. But the game's not ugly, so nobody left. Everybody just just needs to take a take a breath when they log on to the internet sometimes, or just keep firing. I agree. Either way. I mean, what are, you, what are we talking? I've been involved all day, all day on a thread on twenty four seven on the Mississippi State site about. Somebody thinking that I hate my, I have like a personal vendetta against Mike Leach. I was like, my wife baked him cookies last year. Like, what do you mean I hate him? What do you mean? 
And this one guy just keeps like making stuff up. He just like keeps making facts up. And I just I, I disprove him, so he makes up another fact. And I just I, it's like the goalposts won't stand still for this guy. Well, that and then the the people I, I've seen it done towards or, or about you were he had said this on the show. It's like no, he no he didn't. Absolutely it's not. Like, like pull up our podcast. It's available by the way wherever you get them. Search Sports Talk Mississippi. Uh, commercial free. You can find it there. Uh, yeah. All of our stuff's commercial free now, uh, as far as this show and the Thunder and Lightning Live show. They have uh, let's give some credit to our friend Will East. He's made a made a much more listener friendly uh, atmosphere. Yeah, but I, I keep thinking, go. You, you've got a three hour show, and you clearly have time. So use the time and tell me where Brian Haydad, Michael Borky, or Richard Cross said that. Tell me where. And we'll we'll have a conversation about it. Exactly. But anyway. But you won't. But but you won't. That's all right. Haters and haters and haters. I was a little mad at you, by the way, this morning because you you did that clip of me yesterday with the uh, the Alabama fans, and it cuts off right before I say mouth. Oh no! Did I cut it too early? It says, I go, shut your, and it cuts. Oh. And I'm like, oh, I got to get mouth in there. Oh, Come on. I blew it. I, oh, that's my bad. You know, although uh. that uh, that allows you to have some imagination of what you, you know, you could have said something oh, worse, yeah. right? Shut your. Oh, yeah. man. Did you see? So, it, you know, I don't disparage local people who like the team they cover. That's just, you know, there's a market for all of it. There's a market for true reporters. There's a market for fan blogs. There's a market for fan podcasts. There's a market for non-fan pod. All of it. There, there's there's a market for it all. If you're grinding and you're working hard and you're a good person, I'm not going to disparage you or anything like that. But I can't ignore Touchdown Alabama. It's uh, They've been oh, a publication for, for quite some time now. Been around a while. They are personally responsible for half of the credentials issued at SEC yeah. Media Days. And the, also somebody that hosts a radio show based in Tuscaloosa that's on right now, same time we're on. Yeah. Uh, after there was a review on, it was Tennessee's, was it first or second touchdown? It was early in the game. Yeah, it was early in the game. And the official, after the review, was announcing to the stadium that it was a touchdown, and so he puts his hands up, and then brings his hands down, brings his hands down, and he's got two fists because he's not making the. If you're watching single. on Super Talk TV, where where yeah. we it's touchdown, and then he sort of goes like this, and then he comes down, and then he comes down and run, and, and they're and, trying to make like he fist pumped. Yeah, a, a publication, a verified publication, is claiming that the official in the game was fist pumping. Because he got to call a touchdown for Tennessee. That is how down bad Alabama fans are after this loss. I love the uh, Karen Tide thing going around. It's the, it's the, uh, it's an elephant with the, uh, oh, what was her name? Kate Gosselin haircut. Said, I want to speak to the manager. Yeah. <laughs> going around the meme, going around. It's hilarious. I, I, I honestly can't get over the Alabama fans. I thought about that last night. They went two-plus years without being called for holding in a football game. Which is an That's impossible. stat. It's impossible. You hold, you hold every play. Yeah. you got to get called at least once a game. They went two-plus years, and they're going to tell me that the officiating. I mean, I have, I have no sympathy. None. No. 
Officials don't give up 52 points in a football game either. No, they never have. Speaking of points in games, we'll look at some lines when we come back at Sports Talk Mississippi. Our Sports Talk Mississippi, now. Now. Michael Borky and Brian Haydad with you. If you want to be a part of the conversation, we'd love to have you on the ceasefire text line, 601-879-4395. Save it in your phone. 601-879-4395. Doesn't cost you anything. Although we could read what you say on the air, so that might cost you something, I guess. But either way, <laughs> we're glad you're with us. I, every time something like this comes up, I, I love... The, the elephant-like memory a lot of people have. Anytime you've got even... It'd be different if we were just talking about people on message boards. But people with platforms doing the was the rest the ref fist pumping after calling touchdown for Tennessee stuff. Um, it's a little bit insane. The amount of people that remember stuff that has gone their way over the years cracks me up. It's like, oh, you thought the ref was fist pumping? Here is this egregious thing that is way worse than that that happened in a game that Alabama barely won on this date. Everybody's got one. I mean, I always think about it. Was it, it was against Ole Miss, wasn't it, where the ref spots the ball and then looks behind him for the marker and then moves, moves the forward. ball forward? <laughs> that happened. I can never forget being there in 18. Not that State was going to win that game. But the block in the back that was called when Kylan Hill had the ball down to like the two yard line, they called a block in the back. It's the most egregious yeah. call ever. That was also in that game where State recovered a fumble on like the second play of the game, and they didn't review it. It was clearly a, it was just just a train wreck. You find out like the the crew chief had gone to Alabama or something. It's it just incredible, incredible stuff. Speaking of, Tennessee's got UT Martin this week, and I feel like if they were playing anybody else in the SEC, they would yes. lose the game. <laughs> like, I, I talked about that on the podcast. I said, literally, if they were playing a conference game against anyone under the Vanderbilt, I would pick them to lose. They could be playing Missouri, and I would be worried. Yeah. I mean, that's how much letdown we're talking about. The fact they're playing an FCS team is maybe the most brilliant or serendipitous uh, piece of... Uh, sort of looking for scheduling that I've ever uh, I've ever seen. Houston just zoomed in what? on you there, I think. Well, no, that was me. I did oh, that. that. Was you? I, I did that. <laughs> I got the I got the remote right here. I I have to change the uh my the the, the where the camera goes. Yeah. If I for where I have it right now, so I'll just give you an example. If if I were if we were on a Zoom call, like when I, I do my Zoom calls with Robbie when we do the podcast, where I am right now would look like this. Can I get any closer? I can't. But it basically would be like if I was... Oh, heck yeah. We need to keep that view, though. I mean, I'm just right up in there. You can see my pores. So I got I to I gotta play with it every now and then. Startled me a little bit. Uh, on the other side of that... So... <laughs> I like that you thought that Houston was like, yeah. that's not right. He's doing it in the office. <laughs> he doesn't have a remote access, I don't think. That would be pretty cool if he could just adjust. Oh, that would be. I think Will yeah. can. Will can come in here and mess, like, mess with us on this stream if he wanted to. 
and there's nothing I could do about it. Like I can't override him, but Will East needs to me. needs to just keep his hands in his pockets. All right, he needs to know his role and shut his mouth. We don't need we talk. We'll talk to Will East on Friday. That's Will East time. <laughs> So on the other side, so Tennessee's got UT Martin. Good for them on that. Yeah. On that schedule, Alabama's got Mississippi State. The line is twenty-one points in favor of Alabama in this game. Um, it sure is. What it sure did, is. When you saw that, what did you think? That I should try to take out a loan or something and go put some money down on Alabama to cover. I mean, I would feel comfortable taking up maybe double, almost double that amount. Really? I feel like State's going to get run off the field. Yeah, I, Alabama owns Mississippi State. The last two games, 41-0, 49-9. What did I see on Saturday that makes me think State can do anything? against? I mean, Kentucky was able to get pressure on Mississippi State. Well, now here comes Will Anderson and company. I feel like Will Rogers is going to be made uncomfortable the whole night. And then defensively, Alabama, I feel like we'll be able to score almost at will. So, I mean, we're a ways off from Friday, but 45-6. 42-7. State has so these were my stats. I enjoy, did not enjoy bringing up. So, 15 seconds left in the game. Uh, Dak finds uh, Jamion Lewis for a touchdown. 15 seconds left. That was in 2014. That was the last time State scored a touchdown in Tuscaloosa. Last three times in Tuscaloosa: 51-3, uh, 24 nothing, 41 nothing. Wow. State has only scored against Saban. State has averaged 8.5 points per game against Alabama. They've only cracked double digits four times. Four times in in 16 games. Um, State in the last since 2017, where they you know they scored 24 against Alabama, has scored zero, seven, zero, and nine. The last four four games against Alabama. They, they just own them. Bama just completely owns Mississippi State right now. The, and you know, not not to make it about the Egg Bowl, but but here we are. I mean, it's what you know. Mm-hmm. You, you often say we don't make enough about the Egg Bowl, so here you go. Uh, Old Miss yeah. under Lane Kiffin, two games, uh, sixty-nine total points scored against Alabama. Nice, nice, forty-eight so, and twenty-one. Yeah, and, and I. I Going back to last week, even if stated one, I would be probably telling you this about Alabama. I would be telling you that for me, a great result would be to lose forty nine twenty one, something like that. Because I don't think you could stop them, but just to get on the board and maybe maybe make it look like a game for the first half, and then it gets away from you. Because I just think Alabama is just built to beat Mississippi State badly right now. But as it is, I mean, I just don't have any faith in this team. To, to be able to go over to Alabama and keep it remotely competitive. So, and this is what I talked about the other day that in the West, everybody has had a competitive game with Alabama over the last two seasons, including AM who beat them. But Mississippi State has lost by 41 and 40. We get a text here, not to mention the week after Saban loses, he usually kills his opponent. They will make an example. Uh, I will say, though, because people did that after Texas. Oh, Saban's going to be mad about the penalties, and they'll fix that right mm-hmm. away. They haven't. Right. Right. They're the most penalized team in college football. I saw this morning. The most yeah, they, penalized they, they, team in college football is Alabama. I get the feeling that's just kind of what they are at this point. Yeah. But I don't know that it'll make a huge difference in this game. And the problem is State often... 
I mean, Kentucky out-penalized them at least early in that game on Saturday, mm-hmm. but they had... Stay caught up. Yeah. yeah. In the the late ones, when the game was kind of in doubt, I mean, look, the guy flopped terribly, but you can't swing your your arm and, like, it wasn't like a punch, but it, I guess it was. You can't do that. I mean, that's going to get you penalized, but the issues, like, you have a long kick return, and here's a little momentum, and it comes back. That kind of stuff. The untimeliness is also a problem for State as well as Alabama. Uh, but Alabama's committing them. That's what's funny is, you know, there's the ref conspiracy, but they are doing the things that they are getting flagged for. It's not like it's some kind of conspiracy. It's they're undisciplined for a Nick Saban team, uh, albeit, though, uh, extremely, extremely talented. Yeah. Here, Jared says, hypothetically, who does Alabama score more on, State or Southern Miss, if they were to play Southern Miss? Um, Southern Miss. It's Southern Miss, but it's not as wide a gap as you think it would be. Maybe two touchdowns more. This is going to make you feel bad, hey, Dad. We get a message that says Kroom had better Everything luck does. with hey, uh, with uh, with Alabama. He did, but he only had one year of saving. He, you know, he uh, his other win against Alabama was against Mike Shula his last year. So we're going to talk about this later because we're running up against a hard break, and, and Jason Baker is going to join us, and, and I want to give this topic a little bit more uh, time than just the two minutes we have here uh, before the hard break. What is there anything short of a win that state fans will accept is going to be the the question we'll, we'll ask you on the text line is there anything short of a win a result short of a win that state fan that would satisfy a, a Mississippi state fan in year three is there such thing even against mighty Alabama as a moral, Victory. So go ahead and send those in, what you think. We'll take those now. We'll talk to Jason Baker and then get to your responses. But you State fans out there, you're three-touchdown underdog on the road. As Haydad pointed out yesterday, the road games have not gone particularly well uh, as opposed to playing at home. Is there anything short of a win that would satisfy you as a State fan? And what would that look like? What is that number, a score, whatever the case may be? I just... A reasonably close football game, and even if it gets away late. Let's say it's 35-24 going into the fourth quarter, and then you know Alabama scores 42-24, and then you're trying to get back in and you throw a pick and it gets taken back. It's 49-24. I think you walk away from that like, look, they were in the game going into the fourth quarter. That's huge improvement. And that's what I was going to be looking for had State beaten Kentucky. Now I'm just about, it's just about survival more than anything else. But yeah, just a, a close game. Be in the game. Score a touchdown. You haven't scored one in Tuscaloosa in their last three trips. You haven't scored one at all under Leach. Get three field goals last year. Score a touchdown. Get in the end zone. Make it look like a football game. Jason, Make it look like you're, they're not playing a G5 team. Jason Baker will join us next. We'll talk about Southern Miss's big win over the weekend when we come back. Your number one for sports talk. Anyone? 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 Come on, don't be shy. Sports talk, Mississippi. Bingo, man, bingo. Super talk, Mississippi. (laughs) 
sending in, if you're a state fan anyway, what would constitute a successful day on Saturday in Tuscaloosa? Are moral victories okay in year three? We'll talk about that when we get done talking to our friend Jason Baker. Joins us right now on the Farm Bureau guest line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team. If you're a Southern Miss fan, you hear him on some Golden Eagle broadcasts, and he joins us right now. Jason, thank you for your time. And, you know, I've been wondering from the Southern Miss perspective how therapeutic that win was. I mean, they probably should have won the game in the opener, played well at a good Troy, but just turned the football over and couldn't get enough offensively. They've been close. Even in Miami, they played well, just just didn't have enough. How therapeutic getting a win was after playing so many close games and coming up short in a couple of them, or three of them, going into this one. Yeah, Borky, I, th- I think yeah, it was really therapeutic. Boy, I haven't heard it called that yet. Um, yeah, that's what it was, wasn't it? I mean, you saw hugs and emotion from players and coaches alike, and uh, you just almost kind of felt that there was a moment, it was 19-7, the safety occurred, and, man, there was a moment where fl- fans were kind of fleeing the stadium, and you just – uh, almost felt like it was beginning to get daunting on Saturday night. And then to have that occur, to win a game maybe where maybe you really weren't probably supposed to, and you get out of there and, and, and get that win, that's probably what it was, wasn't it? That's a really good adjective by you to describe it, to, to be therapeutic. And uh, the emotion of leaving that stadium from the Golden Eagle faithful was was riding a high. And, uh, yeah, they needed it. And, and, look, it still keeps – what I think, ultimately, which is their ultimate goal, which is making a bowl game, I think still a very good possible reality. It's absolutely on the table, right? I mean, a trip to Coastal is is not going to, to be easy. Grayson McCall's a really good quarterback, and Chadwell's got it going. But when you look at the schedule and then how this team has played, I mean, the, the record's 3-3, three and three, but they've played better than 3-3, three and three, especially mm-hmm. defensively. It is absolutely on the table for them to to get back to a postseason game, which would mean so much. Oh, it would mean everything. It would validate a lot of what Will Hall has said. I think it would validate a lot of uh, some of the portal kids that he's taken, that he has said, look, these guys are going to be good. I think he has some youth uh, in, in some places that he has said these guys will make an impact. Um, you know, take the kid who stepped up on Saturday night and Tylen Mims, Tyquelin Mims. They everybody calls him Ty Mims. He goes in after the first play uh, for Jacarius Caston and Caston out with an injury. And and Mims going to be maybe the fastest Golden Eagle on this roster. And he comes in and has a career day. He had two catches for 34 yards going into the game. I think he ended up with eight catches for over 70 yards. Uh, to possibly lead the team in receiving on Saturday night. So uh, it just sort of would validate a lot. Um, And then, you know, for Southern Miss, for so long, a bowl was the standard. Like, it was just who they were. They were going to be in a bowl game. Uh, If if they could get to that goal, boy, it it would do a lot for this program for, for what they have battled in the past. Jason, you know, when you have a young quarterback, the one thing you want to see from him is just every week a little something more, a little something more. When, when you see USM and, and then, you know, playing the, uh, the, the, the true freshman there, do you, do you feel like you're getting that? Do you feel like week after week that you're seeing, hey, he, he's doing something this week he didn't see, he didn't see last week? I think so, Brian. I, I, 
Brian, I think what you see is he's a true freshman who's never met a throw that he doesn't like. So Zach Wilkie doesn't is not intimidated by any throw that Will Hall asked him to make. And I think he has enough arm talent to make a lot of throws. But I think the caveat, right, and you guys know this, y'all consume so much college football. And you, hey, Dad, you personally, you watch Mississippi State throw it, you know, to, to an umpteenth scale, right? And fitting it in these windows in college football today are just so tight. Uh, you know, the athleticism in the secondaries in college football are just crazy how freakish these athletes are in the back end. And these quarterbacks have to understand, you know, the reading of the coverage and the executing of the throw all go hand in hand. And I think what you're seeing right now from Zach Wilkie's point of view is I think he sees the throw, but he doesn't understand the coverage right now. And my color analyst is Austin Davis, who is obviously the quarterback's coach for the Seattle Super. He would know. Uh, for the Seattle, he would know, correct. He can explain this a lot, a lot more in depth than I can. But on Saturday night, he would wear Arkansas State was disguising with really a three-safety look, but showing two safeties and then rolling a safety to the back end. And I think Zach Wilkie was sort of having a little bit of an issue picking up that third safety, dropping back into coverage. And so I think it's those steps that Zach is beginning to learn. But um, from what I understand, he's a film room junkie. He, you know, he's being coached by a former quarterback in Will Hall. And so they're spending just a really massive amount of time together. And from what I understand from Will Hall um, in, in telling me prior to the broadcast on Thursday, uh, he gives Zach tests. He gives them, hey, you got to go show this film and then bring it back to me and tell me how how would you dissect this. And he told me this on Thursday in a conference. with my in this. Passed 100%. He graded out at 100% going into that game. So he was that confident with what Zach Wilkie was going to do against Arkansas State. But it's a whole other thing when the lights come on and Arkansas State's defensive coordinator and Rob Harley, I think, was really well prepared and began to show Zach Wilkie some things maybe that he hadn't seen quite yet. And um, that's, the, that's the life of a freshman quarterback in the college football world today, in my opinion. It's not that they can't have success, because I think Zach Wilkie has shown success, but I think it's sustained success is what you're looking for. And that, that gets to be difficult week in, week out, because these teams are trying to find their weaknesses. And the more they, they watch of you, the more the tape they have on you, and maybe they know, you know, hey, we can show him this and, and be in this, and, and we make him fooling. When you look at the schedule coming up, and if you want to talk about bowl eligibility, you know, obviously six games remaining, uh, three of them at home. One of them is against South Alabama, who's one of the best teams in Conference USA this year. How, how crucial is this next game at Texas State? I don't think people realize if Southern wins that game, they'll have won four out of their last five. That 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 could be a huge momentum swing for them going into a Thursday night home game against the Louisiana team that is not the juggernaut it's been the past couple of years in Conference USA. Yeah, and I, I think. I think to your point, right, I think it was a game really circled when the schedule came out, meaning the Louisiana game, it's on national television, ESPN2 will be broadcasting that game. It's the blackout game. You know, Southern Miss used to play those games back in the early 2000s in the Jeff Bauer era they used to get on national TV. And so I think there's a sense amongst the fan base that can't wait to get back to there. But I would caution the fan base, and, and I hope the team senses this, 
There's a game on Saturday before we get to that Thursday that probably has as much significance towards a bowl, if not maybe more, because I think on the on when the schedule rolled out, I would have said Texas State was the much more winnable game, albeit on the road versus Louisiana at home. Knowing what we know now, maybe that's not the case, but we'll see. But the guys out west tend to think all of a sudden they open as underdogs, some heavy monies come in, and Southern Miss is now all of a sudden favorites in this game on Saturday. So, yeah, for sure, I think all of them now, um, you know, I think it's a very winnable game, and I think it's a game that, boy, you look at it, you get it, and, yeah, you've won four out of five, and, and you're returning home for, for a Thursday night contest that ought to be an electric atmosphere in Hattiesburg for, for that next Thursday night. Uh, on that note, we, we only got about a minute and a half left here, uh, Jason. Will Hall challenged his fan base earlier this season pretty harshly. Not disrespectfully, yeah. but, but pointed words for sure. Uh, has there been a response to that from the fans? I think so. I thought it was a really good crowd on Saturday night. Um, I sort of sent a, a small little flare into the, to the fan base as well late Saturday night in that game. Many of them left went down 19 to 7 disappointingly so because um while be it you know it did seem daunting you know it was a 19 7 game two scores you win that game and that's exactly what happened and uh there was quite a few of them that left and enjoyed that game from uh spirit park and their tailgate tents alike but look i don't think southern miss is uh in the minority in that sense i think all schools are fighting that battle right now uh, not just in the state of Mississippi either. I think it's, you know, all across the, the country uh, in college football. But the fan base is going to respond. Southern Miss has been a winner before. And I think, as Will Hall has said, they're going to be a winner again. And I think, you know, there's a lot of them out there waiting. And I think, you know, with each win, Borky, they're responding more and more. And you get a win Saturday out in San Marcos. And I think Thursday night in Hattiesburg, Mississippi, in the Rock with Louisiana coming in, which could be a very natural rival for Southern Miss, man, talking really, really special atmosphere. That's Jason Baker. If you've watched the Southern Miss game, you've heard him. Thank you so much for your time, Jason, and we'll talk to you again here uh, down the line. We appreciate you. That was always appreciate you guys. Enjoy the show always. Jason, join us on the Farm Bureau guest line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team at Sports Talk Mississippi. We'll be back. Sports Talk Mississippi. Here we, here we go, go. Super Talk Mississippi. Thanks to Jason for joining us on the Farm Bureau Guest Line. Southern Misk has an important one this weekend for sure if they're going to get to a bowl game. These next two, at a minimum, they got a split. So interesting football ahead in Hattiesburg. I'm Michael Borky. He's Brian Haydad. Great to be with you guys on this Tuesday afternoon. Richard's off today. Being a dad today is what he's doing. I was you know, making fun earlier because... Nobody knows where Richard is, but no, Richard's Richard's being dad today, and uh, a proud yeah. one at that. So he'll be back tomorrow, 
and uh, hope the little one's doing well. Porky, uh, Not sick well. I'm talking I about sports very, well. Yeah. I did. I watched a very unsettling video during the break here. So, I, you know, I, I like my air fryer. You use the air yeah. fryer? You yeah. an air fryer at the house? I yeah. don't have one, Love but it. I've used one. Very, very useful item. This woman just did some seafood in the air fryer, which is fine. People do it all the time. She threw three live crabs in the air fryer and just turned that thing on. I'm shook. I, <laughs> they came out. They look great. They look delicious. But <laughs> like she just tortured those poor crabs to death. Well, she I mean, burned them at the stake. I, mean, I guess that's you do the same thing boiling them, right? I I, I guess, but I don't know. Jeez, I don't I don't think I've ever seen like that. I've never seen live crabs. Normally the crab's dead, isn't it? I don't know. So I've, growing up in South Carolina, we'd go to the coast and, and catch blue crab and have crab boils like they do crawfish boils mm -hmm. around here. And we'd... Just throw them in live? Throw them in live. Uh, the, you know, I don't oh, know yeah. if it's true or not. I'm Maybe it's just what people say to make them feel better. Apparently they don't have pain receptors. So they don't oh, okay. feel pain in the same way we they do. They bugs at the end of the day. Yeah. So, like, they understand uncomfortability and stuff. Like, they know that, mm -hmm. wait, this isn't good. Like, I need to remove myself from this situation. But they don't feel pain like we do, is what I was always told. Because when I was a kid, I was like, wait, they're alive. We're, we're just going to... And and that's what I was told. Maybe may true, maybe not. I don't know. I don't know. Just, it just threw me off to watch her. Just, she, she put the shrimp in and the sausage and all the seasonings. And then here's three live crabs going in the air fryer. <laughs> what? Looks good though. I would have eaten it. Don't 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 get me wrong. If you didn't tell me the crabs were alive going into the air fryer, I would have been perfectly fine. We get, we get. <laughs> uh, Mike says, "Don't give Peta any ideas." <laughs> right? They could now, not be Peta's worse. Peta's gonna come out and be like, "We can't have air fryers anymore." Yeah, they couldn't be worse marketers. Everything they do is like, wait, that. It, like they, the the funniest a funny f meme that that's out there. Peta bought billboards, and it was uh -huh. animals that were lined up, and it started with like cow and pig, and and they just had a bunch of animals, yeah. and it, it ended up getting to like turtles and like pet birds and dogs and cats, and the billboard said, "Where do you draw the line?" And, and a guy drew a line right Round after turtle. pig and said, "Right here." <laughs> where... I, I can get the turtle. Yeah. Oh, you know, I eat turtle soup. Yeah, you know? my favorite one is like they want to put uh, the killed on date for your meat. Like, how would you feel if you knew what day this animal died? I'd be like, that would be great. You know how fresh it is. Yeah, I would you know, know how old it is. You know, oh, this, this, this animal died. It's like six months ago. I don't want to eat that. Give me some fresh meat out here. What are you thinking? Yeah, that reminds me of my bad oyster experience, by the way. I've told that story before. Do you remember? So two years ago, we had a yeah. bar, and it was like a seafood-themed bar where we'd go watch the Saints, and we ordered oysters, and the second they put them on the table, the smell hit you. The smell hit you. And I hate sending back food. It's the, the, it makes me so uncomfortable. I don't want to, like, you, you know, you're, you're a waitress. It's a, it's a chef. You guys screw up sometimes. It's all right. Like, I'm fine. I'll eat it. There's yeah. nothing that you could serve me that I wouldn't eat unless it was oysters that had the smell. And the poor waitress didn't know any better. So this is the end of November, which is probably not a good time to order oysters. I don't know. But it's the end right. of November. 
and she tells me, like innocently, like, oh, well, they should be fresh. We got them at uh, right around Halloween. Oh. I was like, uh, no. No, 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 they shouldn't be. And I, I haven't been back since because, ugh. No, I couldn't do that. The fresher, no. the better. But yeah, PETA's terrible. They're, they're awful markers. <laughs> Oysters especially, man. And did you see we had more people throw food at a famous painting, by the way? It keeps happening. Oh, I saw the Van Gogh thing. Yeah, yeah, is that it? yeah they threw soup at a Van Gogh painting, which... Luckily, and I didn't know this, but like they, they put up glass yeah, frames over well, all these things to protect you. But... Because I, I was like, is that painting ruined? And it's not, so, no. thankfully. But how dumb are these people? Which makes... That's what I'm saying. It makes the protest worthless. You just wasted a can of soup. And then they glue their hands to the wall. Yeah. I'd have been like, all right, we, we got a tool to do that. And I just pull out a bandsaw and just let's just <laughs> cut through your hand. That'll learn you. Yeah, the, and the, the people that tried to disrupt like tennis matches and NBA games and stuff by like chaining themselves to the goal, you are guaranteeing nobody will listen to your message if that's what you do. Guaranteeing it. Same thing with PETA. Like, you throw somebody, red Somebody paint. sent us the, the picture here. Like, where do you draw the line? Like, it, so it's got the rabbit between a horse and a dog. I would eat rabbit, but I would not eat horse. Exactly. Sports Talk Mississippi. We'll, we'll get back to sports when we get back. Maybe. 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 Sports Talk Mississippi. Hey, it's go time. Sports Talk Mississippi. Well, say something. Super Talk Mississippi. Michael Borky and Brian Haydad with you at Sports Talk Mississippi on a Tuesday afternoon. I gotta, we're going to finish this conversation real quick. Okay. About horse. So I was watching a Tony Bourdain show one time. I think he was in Toronto. And they're eating out. And one of the, the dishes was horse. So he's eating the horse. You know, he goes, he'll eat anything. He's like, that's oh, not bad, blah, blah, blah. And he's talking about how if you tried to serve this in New York City, there would be like 50 million people protesting outside your restaurant. But then he made th this joke that has just stuck with me through the years where he said, you know, my daughter's always asking for a pony. I should just bring her here. There's your pony. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> It's like, I'm trying to imagine taking my kids out to eat. Like, is it good? It's horse. Ugh. Have you ever been tricked like that? I have not. I, we got our daughters with deer once. We made, we made. I forget what we made. We put deer meat and deer burger in it instead of just hamburger. And Did you tell her it was Bambi? It was no, I just told her it was deer. It was not specifically Bambi. And uh, they were not happy with us after that. Oh, I understand, though. Deer yeah. cool. Oh, yeah. They're they're all over our neighborhood, and it's it's yeah. like a it's like it's a mythical creature, but it's not because they're everywhere and people hunt them and stuff. But like when you see one in the neighborhood, it's like oh, a deer. It's like they're everywhere. It's Mississippi, but still, yeah. every time I see one, it's I, like, I heard oh one gosh. today. We were uh, 
take uh, we were getting leaving for school and I heard this sound I was, and my daughter's like is that a deer I was like it is there's one nearby hmm. pretty cool I've seen I've seen coyotes in my neighborhood or was it just a somebody's dog no, that got out? no it was a guy it was a coyote. coyote yeah yeah it's yeah I was like that dog is going fast I was like oh that's not a dog <laughs> it'll kill your dog if you let it get close it will I don't have dogs so yeah. Oh well. Lucky you. Yeah. Mine wouldn't couldn't defend themselves against a Pomeranian, so um, they're Darren in trouble Jackson if they ever my, face one of those. Darren Jackson says my wife ate frog legs one time, thinking they were small chicken legs. I couldn't tell her the truth. Oh man, I hope she's not listening. <laughs> but I couldn't resist telling that. I love frog legs. It's delicious. They're good. I went hand they gigging are. one night in college. We'd try to grab them with our hands. It didn't go well. That's should have used the poles, but. We caught like one. Jeff in Oxford. First time I ate, first time I ate goat, I was told it was deer. Goat is good. Goat is Caprito. good. Yeah, they eat that a lot in Jamaica, of all places. It's a big goat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Culture. Yeah, they, 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 you know, because they got them. That's what they got on the islands, you know. Yeah, one of our, uh, one of our servers on our honeymoon, really nice guy, Shamoy, and he told us that. At least the the little town where he came from, he's like, I don't know if it's mm-hmm. the whole island, but for us, we would get a goat, and the kids would raise the goat up, and then come Christmas, they would kill the goat and eat it. <laughs> so you ask your goat? kids to have a pet goat that they feed. You kill and your name, pet on Christmas, and then you kill it on Christmas, and he was it, it, nice. just so nonchalant. He's like, yeah, man. yeah. What's the weirdest thing you've ever eaten? Rattlesnake. That's a good one. Rattlesnake chips, That's like uh, like. Um, yeah. Fried pickles is how they made them. I've had I've had snake on the stick before. I think it's it's it, the animal's not weird, but I went to a Brazilian steakhouse one time that had one of the things they would bring you was chicken hearts, hmm. and I ate those. What was that like? If you like chicken lip, if you like chicken livers, or chicken gizzards, if they're made well, yeah. All right, that's so basically what it was like. Huh. Yeah. I mean, I always just throw the bag yeah. out uh, on Thanksgiving when they, they, they leave the bag with the neck and all that. I'll, all the I'll, stuff. Put, the, I'll put the I, neck on the smoker, but everything else I just throw away. See, well, I do my, obviously I do my turkey in the oven, and I put all that stuff in the pan, and it just helps the gravy flavor. Oh. The neck and the liver and the kidneys and all that. You want, you want that in the gravy. That's good to know. Because... They'll be doing Thanksgiving again at home this so year because had... there's a football game that day, and I can't see oh. my family on Thanksgiving because of the Egg Bowl. So, yeah, I'll be cooking again this year. Squirrel brains and eggs. Mmm. How much? How much? How much squirrel brain? Like, how many? How many squirrels have to give up a brain to get you a pound of squirrel brains? A lot, I assume. I mean, they don't. It's got to be like thirty or forty squirrels. Although there are some squirrels that troll the heck out of my Brittany spaniel. We got big trees in the back, and there are squirrels everywhere. And he, I mean, all day he will just stare at them. I mean, he is unbelievable with how focused he is on the squirrels. But there's a couple that will get to the point in the tree where they know he can't get them, and they will just turn around and look at him and like wave their little tails. And it drives Maverick insane. Like there are scratch marks on the tree. He gets so mad because they're just. Waving their little tail because they know he can't get them. So maybe they're smarter than I gave him credit for. Yeah, I believe it. We got some good stuff here. Chicken feet. 
tried it once, never again. I was at Walmart recently, and there was a they had a chicken feed out, but it said chicken paws, and I was just like, really? Paws? Paws? What's that we're going with? Do paws usually have razor sharp talons? It makes me less uh, likely to eat them too. George from West Point had rat soup in Vietnam in 1972. So it tasted like squirrel. So I guess that's good. I've had squirrel. Squirrel and dumplings. That's a southern staple someplace. Uh, beef tripe. Not good. I don't know what that is. Had kangaroo once. I've had kangaroo. Oh, man. that kind of, I love kangaroos. To, may... eh, I, I went to a restaurant, and they had a wild game sampler. So it had like some buffalo, kangaroo, ostrich on there. It was great. What was the ostrich like? It's good. It's more beefy than chickeny. So it's dark meat. So there's a like kangaroo a, was good too. Like a safari place around here? No, it was a steakhouse. But they uh they just uh they had a uh, a game sampler. Oh, nice. It was, it was good. So I've had buffalo and bison many times. We get a vote for Mountain Oysters. Yeah, I, I've honestly, I have heard they are good. I won't do it. No. Will not do it. I'm not. I can't I can't bring myself to do that. I, that's one of those things where if, I probably would like them if you didn't tell me what they were. You said it was like, you know, lamb fritters or something, maybe. But if I know what it is, no chance. I had raccoon once. Tasted like a pot roast. Huh. I've seen... I, I forgot one show I was watching on Food Network where, like, the big speciality was, like, muskrat somewhere. Like, they eat muskrat. Like, I need anything with a rat in the name. No. This is, this is fun, though. I, I haven't gone out of a comfort zone like this with food very often, I, I guess. I need to be more cultured. No. Rooster fries, I have to assume that's the same thing, Mike. I have not had that. Smoked possum and coon gravy? What? There it is. <laughs> there it the, is. The vermin sampler there. That sounds delicious. <laughs> uh, I mean, right if they're the digging road. in your trash, just take care of them, right? Yeah. Uh, escargot. I've never I, I could I couldn't bring myself to eat escargot. It's just had it. I just I just can't get I can't get around it. It's a snail. It, it is. Uh, I've had it though and uh they served them kind of like char-grilled oysters. So they came in this this tray that... Um, yeah, yeah, with the garlic and all that. Yeah, Oh, garlic and butter and, and all that, and that was yeah. really easy to well, eat. They came in a different we way, and I Kevin didn't Rathbun. like the other way. We went to Kevin Rathbun. One of the guys ordered escargot, and he was surprised. It came out. He was expecting it, like, with the cheese and the garlic butter and all that, and it wasn't that. I tried one now that I think about it, and I was just like, yeah, eh, I can't. I had the foie gras, though, which was good. I forgot what that was. Fogwa? Fogwa, it's a duck liver or goose liver. Oh, sounds like uh, yeah. a low-budget Disney character. <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness. We're getting some good stuff here. This is really good stuff. The Plus, weirdest durian. I, I, I don't know if I could do that. I've heard bad things on that. What is do that? Do you know what that is? It's a fruit from, the middle, from, from, the, from uh, Southeast Asia, right? Supposedly it tastes incredible. But it smells like rotten flesh. Like it smells like what you would expect somebody dead to smell like. But it tastes good. How like is that you possible? Get it in your mouth. It it. Ta I don't know how it works. I don't know how it works. But like like you're not allowed to eat durian on the subway in Thailand. 
Oh, really? That bad? <laughs> it stinks so bad. It's that bad, yeah. We should also ban yogurt on airplanes, but that's a conversation for another well, day. Well, that's a, another thing there. Gar? I've seen people eat gar, yeah. Armadillo? Oh. No. Never not going to. Yeah, I, I don't haggis. think I could, regardless of who made it. Haggis is something I, I would. I don't know if I would try. I don't it know not. what any of these are. I, I feel like I'm a toddler. What haggis. Is, what is that? Haggis. You take lungs, heart, and liver and stuff it in a wee sheep's stomach. That's exactly what it is. It's oh. all the uh, the gross parts of the uh, sheep boiled in a in its stomach. Ugh. The Scottish love it. Puts hair on your chest. That, that sounds like Scrapple, but worse. <laughs> Much worse. Sports yeah. Talk Mississippi. Michael Borky, Brian Haydad with you. We will do sports next. We will. Maybe. We'll be back. Maybe. It's time for more Sports Talk Mississippi. Finally. Finally. On Super Talk Mississippi, the Super Talk app, and at supertalk.fm. Unintentional for the conversation I'm about to start. Mississippi. You know, we got to get the new, the new fourth quarter song on here. We got to figure out a way. To, you can't find it anywhere. That's the problem. What is it? It's this remix of "Sweet Dreams" by the Eurythmics that they do. That's really cool. But it's not. It's something that they did in house. It's uh, a MSU put it together. So you can't find it anywhere. We get a message. Sports Talker, Food Talk, Mississippi. Love it. Keep it up. Surely it's a guy thing to combine sports and food. No doubt. So sometimes we get the occasional stick to sports guy, and I get it. Like it's football season, all that. But we've got 15 hours of radio to do a week. Well, and Hey Dad's got 16. Uh, We are constantly churning out content. Plus another five of the podcast. Exactly. And honestly, my philosophy is, and our philosophy is, I think Richard and Hey Dad agree, is. If we did nothing but just talked about football and baseball and basketball and that's all we did three hours a day every day, you guys would get sick of it because it would start to get repetitive and we wouldn't enjoy our jobs as much. So stuff like what we just did just keeps the mood light. That's There's there's methods behind the madness. We're not just sitting here just screwing around. There's There's reasons we do that because... You should see what our text line just did for the last 10 minutes. You guys yeah. loved it. And sometimes yeah. you need a break from the monotony of can the team win the football game on Saturday. But let's talk about the team and the football game on Saturday. Back to something that we mentioned earlier in the show. A, a discussion topic, if you will. An idea to something that I was thinking about earlier today. In year three, this is year three for Mike Leach, also year three for Lane Kiffin, but... Mississippi State's the one that has to play Alabama this weekend. Is there anything short of a win that a a state fan out there, that you, the state fan listening, would deem satisfactory? What can happen this weekend, short of a win, that you think is acceptable? 
and and I was thinking about this in a context of what we were talking about earlier this season or before the season began. Because state schedule is a tough one. They just had to go to Kentucky. That's who they drew from the East. They didn't get Missouri or Vanderbilt. They got Kentucky on the road. It's not an easy place to go play. And, oh, by the way, the other one's Georgia. Possibly, if not probably, the best team in America. Definitely one of them. Five stars all over the field. That's who they got from the East. Tough, tough, tough schedule. And they're in Tuscaloosa. So, if the record was the same or just one game better... We, we talked about that in the context of it needs to look better. Let's say they go 7-5 and five again, but they're more competitive in games like the one they're playing this weekend. If they look better and sharper, and if they're not losing games because of penalties and stuff like that, if it looks better and the record doesn't change, that is a step forward. So, does that apply here? And you answered earlier, but we'll get you to answer again. If State mm-hmm. just looks capable, even though it's year three, and they lose the game, is that a satisfying result? You know what would have State fans really excited? And not, obviously a win, but that's not going to happen, I don't think. Could you play Alabama the way Ole Miss played Alabama in year one of Kiffin? Back and forth the whole game, and then Alabama just gets the uh, advantage. They get the two-score advantage, and you can't come back. Could you? I mean, It doesn't have to be 63-48, which is what that score was. It could be 42-28, something like that. Just be in the game. You've lost the last two years by a combined uh, in score of ninety to nine. Ninety to nine. I'm pretty sure. Like, let me let me just. You know what? I'm going to do a little quick research here, but I'm almost positive I'm going to be right when I look at what Alabama has done against G5 teams. So last year Alabama played. Let's see, uh, New Mexico State. That was one of the they only they only and they played Southern Miss, and they beat those two schools. They combined one twenty two to seventeen. So that Southern Miss got in the end zone twice against Alabama. State hasn't gotten in the end zone against Alabama and Tuscaloosa in the last three tries. They've only scored one touchdown the last four games against Alabama. So can you lose like Southern Miss did there? You know, the year before that, who did who did Alabama play? I guess that's twenty twenty. That doesn't count. So twenty twenty two, they lost sixty. They beat sixty two ten New Mexico State and Southern Miss again forty nine seven. So both of those teams got a touchdown. They got touchdowns. You're an SEC team. Everybody else in the West over the last two years has been able to play a game against Alabama that was close, that was still in doubt in the fourth quarter. If you can't do that, then what are you doing? What, what what's the point of that? Everybody has got has gotten closer to Alabama these past few years. Teams are getting closer. Tennessee just beat them. I'm not saying you're as good as Tennessee, but you should be able to go over there and play what looks like a football game between two SEC teams. It should not be forty plus points. Unfortunately, I think it's going to be. Strider says if they score at least twenty four, he will be happy. We get a don't uh, get blown out. A 10-point loss would be satisfactory. Bo is uh, an Ole Miss fan that's trying to poke it. Hey, Dad, it has been for a little while now. Says it's going to be 24 to nothing after the first quarter. Dan and Hattiesburg. It might be. You hope not. I mean, this Alabama defense has given up, obviously. It's a different offense, but they have given up yards and points through the air. I mean, Quinn Ewers was cooking them before he got hurt. Mm -hmm. Alabama's lucky. That he got hurt. 
Lucky. Very lucky. Uh, Dan in Hagsburg says, I'd be happy if they score half as many points as Alabama. Hunter uh, mm-hmm. is a, a state fan that says, this season's already a dumpster fire. My give a you-know-what is already gone, honestly. Win the Egg Bowl, and that's all he cares about. Oh, I don't agree with that. I mean, there's still plenty to play for this season. So, Aaron and Madison says, so hey, Dad, you don't want the state game against Bama to be like the Ole Miss-Alabama game a few years back. Score in the first play from scrimmage, then lose sixty-three to seven. <laughs> no, yeah, I would prefer it not be that way. But hey, to get a touchdown would be an improvement. God, can you imagine if first play of the game Rodgers goes up top to Raw Rods? I, I would not know how to handle that. Chase says we haven't beaten Alabama since the Bush administration. No moral victories with the most experienced team in the SEC in year three of a quarterback. And I'll add this and a coach. He says even in a down season, it still takes nearly perfect quarterback play, and you can't make mental mistakes. Tennessee had six penalties for the game to Alabama's seventeen. Yeah, yeah, you can't. I mean, and State on the road this year has just not shown that ability. They haven't. Here's a question. What does State or Ole Miss have to be to be a juggernaut? Why can't we be happy with great wins and upset wins during the season and a decent bowl game at the end? Who's not happy with that? At some point, the SEC will be weaker. Well, that, you misread his question. He said, why does State or Ole Miss have to be a juggernaut? Well, nobody's saying they have to be a juggernaut. Oh. Nobody can, Nobody's saying that those two teams need to be 11-0 or no going to the Egg Bowl every year. Nobody's saying that, but... I mean, you want you you do want a little bit more. I mean, Ole Miss fans, I think, were super happy a season ago. Mississippi State fans were kind of happy up until the end, and then the last two games. I think even after the Egg Bowl, if they had won the bowl game, everybody walks out of that season going, "Wow, they won eight games." Yeah, but they didn't. Um, but yeah, I don't think anybody's saying that y'all have to to that either team has to be top five every year. No, but. And it, the resources don't exist to be Alabama, but occasionally being competitive with them is not something that is an unreasonable ask, uh, that's for sure. Uh, somebody says, we only lost by 17 to Bama last year. We're talking about State. Ole Miss lost by 21 to Alabama Then they year. lost by, yeah, it was 42-21. 42-21, yeah. What happens if Leach loses the Egg Bowl this year? Nothing. Nothing happens, but things start happening. Does that make sense? That makes sense. It's a good way to put it. There are people that think like, that if like he goes 7-5 and five and loses the Egg Bowl, he's getting fired. He just got a happening. contract extension and a raise. That's not happening. He's not getting a $16 million but buyout. There would be a discussion about 2023 about you have eight home games, you swap out Georgia for South Carolina, you get Ole Miss at home, you need to beat Ole Miss and you need to find a way to win nine, or it's going to be difficult. Especially with Rodgers. I mean, right now, I'm just going to say right now. Yeah, I'm going to say right now. If State finishes seven and five and loses the Egg Bowl, their first game of the year next year is against an FCS team. I'm pretty sure. Thirty-five thousand. I mean, yeah. What's the excitement for MSU football after a a seven and five season with a third straight Egg Bowl loss? There's none. Six year one eight seven nine forty three ninety five is the text line. Speaking of Mike Leach, you know it's Tuesday, so we hear from the coaches. We will, uh, you will hear from Mike Leach when we come back. We'll hear from Lane Kiffin later on. 
uh, in the 5 o'clock hour, but for now we'll hear from uh, the head Bulldog previewing the Alabama game uh, when we come back. It's Sports Talk Mississippi. I'm Michael Borky. He's Brian Haydad. Mike Leach when we come back. Sports in Mississippi. You'll hear about it here. Sports Talk Mississippi on Super Talk Mississippi. Michael Borky and Brian Haydad with you. You know what we do on Tuesdays. We hear from the coaches. Mike Leach met with the media earlier. And here what he had to say, starting with a question about the lack of rushing attempts for his team on Saturday in Lexington. Coach, uh, rushing attempts were a little bit down this week compared to the previous weeks. Was it just kind of what they were giving you, or is there just the thought process behind that? They were just a little bit diminished this week. Yeah, well, we didn't move the ball very good this week, and I don't think it had much to do with rushing attempts. Um, you know, plays were down this week, so I think that was a bigger problem because we didn't move the ball effectively. What's your impression of Bryce Young's Alabama offense overall you faced this week? Uh, I think they're good. You know, they have quality players and quality players, and uh, they're explosive. Several guys are pretty explosive, and then, but I think he's pretty good. He can help himself with his feet. You know, Coach, I know you were concerned about energy at practice last week. I know you just had one day to judge it by, but how did they come back yesterday? I th- I thought we were fine yesterday. You know, um, I thought we were fine yesterday. Mike, you guys had six false starts and five uh, defensive holdings in that game uh, against Kentucky, I guess. What what did you maybe see, I guess, more specifically with the holding calls that maybe you guys could address and clean up a bit at, at practice this week? Uh, well, I saw I saw a little of all of the above. I saw a technique, I, you know, that we need to be better at. I saw dumb, and then I saw some that were kind of curious calls, you know, so... <coughs> responsibility real quickly for the loss after LSU after Kentucky when you talk about practices and in, in two of them should player leadership have factored into helping turn that around last week well you constantly try to build that try to work that try to elevate that and you know so some of it uh, some of it happens naturally but you got to do whatever you can to elevate it I mean we got you know, we've got a couple pretty strong leaders, Will and Buki, but I think that uh, we need more guys behind them, too. So, Were you able to catch any of that uh, Alabama-Tennessee game, or how much of it have you been able to kind of uh, rewatch since? And what are your impressions of maybe some things that Alabama struggled with uh, entering you know, this game, things that they're going to try to clean up? Well, well, we watched the coaches' film. Um, you know, I just I think that uh, you know I th- I thought that uh, ten- Tennessee played really fast. I thought that uh, you know the quarterback and the and the receiver were really on the same page, 
and uh, had some pretty good timing to when they got some of their explosive plays in there. It was a really tight back and forth game. Coach, we, you know, we hear all the time about how difficult it is to play on, on the SEC road. What makes it so difficult to play a road game in the Southeastern Conference? I think uh, the biggest thing is the change of routine. I think that, you know, I think it's, in a lot of cases, it's no harder than you make it, but there is a change of routine. I mean, uh, to being on the road and at home and sometimes, and then I think some uh, football is kind of a creature routine, and I think that sometimes that, you know, until you get used to it or focus through it, I think uh, that can have an impact. After the Kentucky game, you said that practice didn't look the same that week as it did the two weeks before. What adjustments have you made to make sure that practice looks better going into this week? Well, we haven't practiced yet, so we'll, uh, you know, uh, what do the politicians say? They circle back all the time, don't they? We'll all circle back. Uh, you know there's not a chance in hell I'm circling back, but if you happen to find me and ask again, I'll probably give you a pretty good answer. of Alabama, obviously one of the top recruiters uh, in, in the country. How do you begin to kind of narrow the gap there between maybe the upper echelon teams in the West and Mississippi State on the recruiting trail? Well, you know, the biggest thing, you just kind of focus on what you've got and what resources you have and just try to elevate them uh, as much as you can. And, uh, you know, and I, I think we're making progress. You try to make it as fast as you can. Uh, you know, in the last two years, it's become a more volatile kind of recruiting situation, and the dust hasn't settled on it. So, you know, you try to, yeah, you try to guide through that, you know. Mike, there's obviously a lot of talk about, you know, how good Alabama under Nick Saban has been, you know, coming off losses. Obviously, earlier this year, you guys were pretty good when you came off that LSU loss. I guess what goes into maybe establishing that mindset of not letting one loss kind of trickle down into two or three in a row there? Just sticking together and working hard, and if everybody's uh, really committed to what they're doing, I mean, you know, they just get right back at it and, you know, just try to work through it. But by the same token, you know, you have to, you have to commit to it too, you know. You mentioned watching some of the Alabama-Tennessee film. I know Josh Heupel played quarterback under you at Oklahoma. I don't know how, to, how much of that you've watched, but how much does his offense resemble yours and what kind of concepts did you think of He's definitely got some things that look familiar, you know. Uh, there's some things that look familiar, and uh, and <laughs> I can think of a play in particular, um, uh, you know, that uh, we ran back in the day, and uh, that that we ran back in the day, and uh, and uh, you know, he's <laughs> he's got his quarterback, he's got his quarterback running that play better than he ran it, so. Yeah. Kind of to follow up on that, I mean, guys like Josh and, and Sonny Dykes obviously having a lot of success at TCU. What's it, what's it like for you kind of you know, having the experience that you have watching, you know, the, the, the guys you've coached or have played for you or coached with you kind of, you know, start this coaching tree that you have? You know, it's, it's well, it's tough while you're coaching because you're busy tending to your own team, you know, and you just kind of uh, hear about it secondhand or, you know, quickly see a score or something. I mean, I'm happy for them and all that as far as, you know, to really enjoy it, to recollect, uh, exchange ideas, stuff like that. I mean, 
you know, heck, you you kind of got to be out of it to do that. Otherwise, you're too busy with uh, with what you uh, you're doing yourself. You know. I know Alabama has a Heisman Trophy winner quarterback. But it looks like that number one running back. It looks like he makes their offense go. What are your impressions of him and what he's doing? No, I think he's really good. I think you know that's the thing. Uh, that's the thing. If you you can't, uh, they keep you kind of thinned out from because uh, you're you know you're trying to tend to both of them. You know, and then you know as they do that, then you know you can't uh, you can't just focus on one thing, and then you're vulnerable to both a little bit. You know. Some coaches might mention a losing streak that their school might have against an opponent as motivation. Is that something you will talk about this? Uh, no. I mean, all that counts is what you do today, and then uh, and then what you do next. You know, I mean, you have any control over that? That doesn't that doesn't affect anything. You had some, I think it was Jet last year who said that, you know, he felt like as Alabama kind of built that lead, the helmet sticker of seeing Alabama on the other side, maybe, you know, impose some will on your guys. I guess, do you kind of have the hope that, you know, with some more experienced guys, they're not really phased by, you know, it being Alabama on the other side? I don't they, If they're sitting there looking at that and paying attention to that, they're looking at the wrong thing. They need to be looking at themselves and how well they're playing, competing with themselves and playing the best that they could play. You know, I mean, they can only they can control the guy in their uniform. They can't control the guy in the other uniform. They got to focus on themselves. That was Mike Leach talking to the media. Uh, not, not only got spirited when he was talking about circling back. Otherwise, pretty short and seemingly wanting to get out of there. Yeah. So, in other words, a pretty typical Mike Leach press conference. Pretty much from start to finish. Chase sent us a message during that. The, the question, why didn't you call more run plays, is very simple. They faced a negative box in almost every play. Kentucky committed 6-7 to seven to the box, even with limited blitzes. They brought from various places, but rarely even five players. State doesn't use a tight end. So going single back rush five on six plus is a logistical no-no. But that brings up the bigger point. Why don't you make any adjustments? Well, and the easy adjustment to make there is the two-back set, where you can use that second running back as as a blocker, which the state has done this year. They did it against A&M in Arkansas and was pretty effective. And uh, they, they did a little bit of it in this game, but not enough. Not enough. And I think maybe Dylan Johnson, assuming he was hurt, played a role in that because that's your best inside runner. That's your best power runner. And, you know, you don't feel the same about Marks and, and Price, I guess. But, you know, he's right in that – and it's the same thing that happened a couple years back or four years back with Kentucky, where State just left Greg Island out on an, on an, on no pun intended on an island with uh, with Josh Allen, who would end up being a top ten trap choice, and Allen just killed him the whole night. And there was never an idea like let's move a tight end over or let the back chip him. It was just no, we're going to let you play one on one against this future NFL top ten choice, and you know he's going to wreck you, and that's going to how we're going to you know be a big part of why we lose the game. And it goes back to you know, coaches sometimes just. They want to do things their way, and you know, if you take something away from them, they're just like, well, I guess you know, I still have to call these plays. You can make adjustments. You can you can do something. You can do you can help your team out. Sports Talk Mississippi six zero one eight seven nine forty three ninety five is the text line. We'll be right back.
Mississippi. Your all-access pass to all things sports in Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi. On the Super Talk app, your local Super Talk station, and at supertalk.fm. We got into lines. We got to one. We'll get to the rest of them later on. But Dale in the Delta says there are no adjustments in this air raid. That's why I've come to hate it. Being able to just rep the same five plays so many times that you're good at isn't good enough in the SEC. What I imagine is going to get frustrating if nothing changes is the fact that at times things do look great. Last year at Auburn, that comeback was amazing. And it doesn't matter if that wasn't a great Auburn team. It's on the road at Jordan-Hare. You cannot just dismiss that kind of performance, regardless of what that Auburn team was. They still have NFL players on the field. It's still a roster filled with SEC West guys. The A&M game this season, team that is more talented than yours on paper, beat them like a drum. Arkansas didn't have their starting quarterback, but does K.J. Jefferson change a 40-17 to game? Maybe he does, but I don't think he changes the WL result of that. Probably right. much closer, but doesn't change the result. And then you get LSU. And then you get Kentucky. It's just wildly inconsistent. And it all looks the same when it's happening. And that is incredibly frustrating. Yeah, I mean, if it, it really feels like the, 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 the game plan on MSU is kind of out, right? That if you, if you blitz, if you pressure, you're going to be able to, to keep Will Rogers off his game and you're going to win. So, and I mean, obviously with Alabama and their athletes, you would expect that. But now Auburn, Georgia, and Georgia's probably sort of the same way. Ole Miss, though, I mean... You're not going to see any more rush three, drop eight. Those days are over. Teams know that you can beat that now. So now they're going to go the other way. They're going to be like, all right, Rodgers doesn't have a lot of mobility. This offensive line is not elite by any stretch of the imagination. Let's go get him. Let's go put, let's go put pressure on him and see what happens. And if Rodgers beats you, then maybe you, you know, they'll make adjustments. But if he doesn't, you keep coming back to it all night. Yeah, Kentucky did a lot of creative stuff. One that I, I found fascinating was they, they had four guys in the line of scrimmage. And on the snap, the two guys on Kentucky's right side of the line of scrimmage dropped back into, into underneath coverage, and they brought two more blitzers all on the left side. So Kentucky played a numbers game where three couldn't block four, and they got to Rodgers almost right away. I mean, Kentucky got creative with how... And they still only brought four. As Chase said earlier, Kentucky didn't bring five or six rushers. It was just... Got certain guys from different ways, so they still had seven back in coverage, but it looked like they were being exotic up front, and that confused Rodgers, and, and there were a lot of checkdowns. And um, I, I can't help but wonder if a ceiling has been reached at the quarterback position. And maybe that's not a fair question to ask, but I, I do wonder right. if... Well, I mean, at this point in his career, you know what Will Rodgers is, right? 
He's not going to all of a sudden start breaking off long runs. You know, he's 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 just limited athletically. There's no other way to put that. You know, mentally, the guy's great. He can break down things, and I, I feel like, you know, he he's got he's got all the 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 nuances of the offense under his control. But he he's not a kind of guy who can just break out of uh, out of uh, out of pass rush and get downfield. You know, that's just not his game. So if State can't protect, I mean, the numbers bear themselves out. Look at the last the two games at home with no sacks. What were his numbers against A&M and Arkansas? Fantastic. Against Kentucky, where you obviously saw him get pressured, not so much. And it's just, it, it legitimately is that simple. Clyde and West Point's going the opposite way from most of the State fans on here today, says that they're going to beat Alabama. We'll see how it goes, Clyde. If you're right, we'll call you right on Monday, I promise. Yes, uh, yes, we will. So we heard from Mike Leach. We're going to hear from Lane Kiffin. And there's an answer, honestly, at the end of his his press conference where um, if you're a State fan frustrated with the lack of adjustments, you're going to get even more frustrated after you hear the way Lane Kiffin describes what they do offensively where it's not only do they – change every year based on personnel, but they make adjustments week to week based on the opponent. And in some weeks, they'll show certain personnels and, and do things, and then they'll either just get rid of that altogether. And it's very different. It doesn't mean one's better than the other, but if you're frustrated with the lack of adjustments, you're, you're going to hate hearing him describe how they game plan and approach teams offensively, which is catered to their opponent and changing constantly throughout the course of a game as opposed to uh, the air raid, Mike Leach's air raid, which is yeah. this is what we're going to do and, and this is what we're going to do and this is what we're going to do. And that's it. Right. It's made Mike Leach a lot of money and won a lot of football games, though. It has. and But, you know, what worked? What worked then doesn't always work now, and a lot of his protégés have taken his offense and tweaked it a lot and have been very successful. And I think yeah, that's coming. I just don't know if it's going to be here soon enough. Sports Talk Mississippi, we'll look at some more lines, and there's a thing about Tennessee we got to talk about when we come back. If it's happening in Mississippi sports, you'll hear about it first, right here. Sports Talk Mississippi. Back Sports Talk Mississippi, Michael Borky and Brian Haydad with you on this Tuesday afternoon. Got a lot done in a short time. We talked about one line. Talked about people, Ole Miss fans liking Brian Haydad online. Exotic Foods, Southern Miss with Jason Baker. Heard from Mike Leach. Talked about the air raid in just two hours. It's a busy day so far. Honestly, we've got a lot done the in a short state time. state talk Mississippi. Don't care about the Rebels on this show, do you, Borky? Eh, apparently not. But we are going to talk a little bit uh, about Ole Miss. Uh, we'll hear from Lane Kiffin coming up in 
30 minutes, but for now it's time for the College Football Fix. Wait a minute. There it is. Sorry. Got to push the right buttons, you know? You got to turn the things on for the music to play. The College Football Fix is driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealer. Both your teams are on the road this weekend, so use your spare time to stop by and test drive an F-150. You'll find out why it's been the best-selling truck in America for almost five decades at your local Mississippi Ford dealer. So lines for the weekend, we already talked about Mississippi State down, or a 21-point underdog down in Tuscaloosa. Ole Miss LSU. So that line opened as Ole Miss being a twin, or excuse me, a two and a half point favorite or three, depending on your book. Early money, a lot of public money has shifted that line all the way over to LSU minus one and a half. The Tigers are the favorite. So it's basically you're picking the winner. I mean, the, the, the line is close enough that you have to pick who you think is going to win the game. Um, as we sit here today, I think that's Ole Miss. Uh, but I could I could be persuaded either way. I will say that you know, using my my three tiered system I like to use. Obviously, the game is at LSU, so advantage them. The better quarterback is Dart, so advantage Ole Miss. Who's the better coach, Kelly or or, or Kiffin? The resume says Kelly. Your eyes right now tell you it's Kiffin. So I don't know which way you want to go on that. That that's going to be a coin flip for me. I may literally flip a coin here on the show Friday. Yeah, the advanced uh, the advanced stats are all over the place uh, in this game. I, I saw one analytics website um, predict what was it a LSU win by half a point or something like that. I mean, they, they, yeah, they they expect yeah. this game to be really really close. A couple of things that, that stand out to me with this game in, in this line. Um, I think LSU, while going to Gainesville and, and winning is not typically easy, winning on the road is, is hard. Florida is 3-11 in their last 14 SEC games. Mm-hmm. That is the third or second worst mark in the conference this is not your typical Florida team, and I can't help but wonder if we are over-inflating LSU's win to some degree because the helmet has the script gators and not because they beat on kind of a bad football team right now. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of those teams in the conference this year. It's not your dad's LSU. It's not your dad's Auburn. It's not your dad's Florida this year. Uh, honestly, with, with my dad, it's not my dad's Ole Miss. I mean, they're a lot better than, than they were when when he was my age. So, yeah, you got a lot of that in the conference. LSU, though, I feel like they're going to have they have a little juice right now. You know, that that win gave them some juice. For sure. And and Tiger Stadium, because I agree with what you were saying. If they had lost that game, there would not be a very good crowd at Tiger Stadium. As it is now with LSU Ole Miss, people will, will want to come because it's, you know, it's such a it's a good historical rivalry. And it's a big game. You know, if the Tigers win this game, we're not talking about this enough, by the way. LSU six and two or five and two. 
That one loss, one of their losses is non-conference. Still very much in control of their own destiny as it goes for the uh, for the SEC championship, for the SEC West. All they got to do is win out. Now, that's easier said than done, yeah. but they could do it. They could do it. I mean, Alabama, I, I think they play Alabama in, in, in Baton Rouge. So, you know, you got something there. You can beat, I think they can beat Texas A&M. That's in Baton Rouge. I know they can win that. Arkansas is going to be a tough test, and Ole Miss is a very tough test. But, you know, that don't tell them that. Yeah. Jay Charleston says, Ole Miss finally got the cupcake portion of the schedule behind them. Real games here on out. Are we, Why, for some reason, especially after what happened this weekend, are people still not giving the Kentucky win credit? I, blows my mind. Anyway. Uh, but yes, things do get real from here on out, but uh, let's not dismiss a win over Kentucky, especially after what we saw this past weekend. That That is clearly not right. um, a, a, a nothing game. Uh, so Ole Miss, plus one and a half at LSU. Vanderbilt, Missouri. Vanderbilt's a 14-point dog in this one. The line's come down some a, a little bit. Yeah, it has. I think Vanderbilt keeps this game close. I think Missouri's going to win, but this is going to be... First off, we, we we were talking about this on the podcast. I want your thoughts. You see a lot of people now who do these extravagant punishments for losing your fantasy football league, right, for being last place. We came up with this idea that you should, the loser of your league should be forced to buy a ticket to this game, go to it, wherever it's being played, and have to stay. You have to get to the stadium two hours before kick, and you have to stay until the final whistle if you finish last. That is a real punishment. <laughs> Imagine having to sit through that game. It's going to be like 13 to 10, 17 to 13 or something like that. It's going to be ugly. But Vanderbilt, keep it close. Is it weird that I am I am actively rooting for Vanderbilt in this game? I want them to win this game so bad. I don't, I mean, I guess I know why. You just why. don't like Drinkwitz. You don't like Drinkwitz. He's a bit of a nerd, but I don't, it's not an anti-Missouri thing as much as it is for some reason I want Vanderbilt to win. You're just enamored with Clark Lee. I, I'm going to be root, like actively rooting for them. I'll have it on TV too, opposite uh, Ole Miss LSU, and, and mm-hmm. like I'm cheering for him. I really want Vanderbilt to win this game for some reason. Which, by the way, if Missouri loses this one, Drinkwitz's seat is going to get hot, even though they've been close in a lot of games. Yeah, at that point, at some yeah. point. You can't lose to Vanderbilt right now. You just can't. No, no, you cannot. And then the last SEC game, so a lot of people are off uh, this week. There are only five yeah. SEC games this weekend. That's it. Only five. And one of them's Tennessee, UT Martin. Ooh, all right. That's very, very exciting. UT Martin offered, uh, jokingly, of course, uh, because of the goalpost and because of that lady that cut the the hole in the turf to sell it on eBay. UT Martin. She got a chunk of turf. Yes, yeah, she Jeez. did, and, and was caught by a candid photograph. Like she she was going to yeah. get away with it if not for that picture going viral. Did you see the girl looking at her? Like, what are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> but like, uh, who, UT did Martin. Did she bring like like kitchen like pot pottery shears or something with her? What did it looked like? She was she using that much gas? I think. Oh my gosh! What did UT Martin do? You still haven't told us. Uh, they offered Tennessee to use their field for the game. 
<laughs> I appreciate I appreciate the wavos on that one. Yeah. That's good stuff. Like, I like you that. You know, you guys don't don't rush on your field goal post. You know, let the grass we, grow back. We you haven't can come play at our place. Let's get this last line in. I know you want to talk about this Tennessee thing with people saying that it's glad, it's good that they're back. Yeah. There's another side to this Tennessee thing I want to talk about. We'll talk about it. But get this last line. And at minus three and a half at South Carolina. This uh, Jimbo's not getting fired this year. I don't think he's not. But this is a critical game for Texas A&M. Critical. Three-and-a-half-point favorites at South Carolina coming off the bye. I think they're going to win. I do, too, but they better. I feel like A&M's about to... You know, they have Ole Miss next week, right? They do. So that it, next week is going to be either... Okay, we're, we're, we're rolling again, we're going to finish really strong, or we're going to limp to 6-6. Six and six. Yeah. That that really that simple. So coming up next, before we hear from Lane Kiff, and that'll be in twenty minutes, there is uh there's this idea. One, Peter Burns made a comparison, and I love Peter to death, but we are getting way ahead of ourselves on this Tennessee team. But two, Tennessee media is starting to do the same thing they did around baseball season. Remember baseball season where it got published on Outkick that ESPN should thank Tennessee for putting college baseball on the map. Remember that? Yeah. Um, yeah. They're doing something similar with football, too. We'll talk about that when we come back. Sports Talk Mississippi, I'm Michael Borky. He's Brian Haydad. Don't go anywhere. Mississippi on the Super Talk app, your local Super Talk station, and at supertalk.fm. Working Brian Haydad with you. So this past weekend's Tennessee-Alabama game was the highest-rated college football game of the season so far. Still four million people yeah. short of last year's Ohio State-Michigan game, but it is or was the most watched. Eleven point five five million people watched Tennessee-Alabama. And for reference, j- just the stark difference between the NFL and everything else. Sunday's Bucks Chiefs or not Bucks Chiefs Bills Chiefs game, twenty four and a half million people. So twenty four versus eleven, it's just crazy. In college football, it's the NFL way up high. College football is number two, and then there's a drop before everything else. It's crazy how how much uh, of a king the NFL is. But either way, big game, big rating, all of that. Peter, wonderful, wonderful person, good guy, good at what he does. Peter Burns this morning is comparing or was comparing. This Tennessee team to 2019 LSU. Ugh. Where are we? I mean, that's, that's a bold comparison, especially from, from to him, an LSU fan. Yeah. We're you know? five steps too far ahead of ourselves with that. But the other thing that's happening, 
Started with a guy that's been on our show before, Wes Rucker, but he's not the only one that shares in this sentiment. Mm -hmm. College football is better when Tennessee is good, is the take today. That this is good for college football, raises its national profile, blah, 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 because Tennessee is good. So what I would say is there is some truth in that. There's some truth. When a Tennessee's a big brand, big fan base, nationally known, right? So having another one of those teams be good, it can't help but get interest in, in you know in some of these games. I mean, the, the rating shows you right there, right? Tennessee fans were probably the, in Birmingham, Birmingham, Alabama, Nashville, and Memphis. Those are probably the top three markets for those games, right? So there's some truth to that. But the truth of the matter is it doesn't matter that it's Tennessee. If all, you know, USC is was has, you know, been playing better this year. That's good for college football. Um you know, if Florida State were to figure their life out or Miami, that's good for college football. Those are big names. Uh, yeah, you can Texas Texas being good. College, it's good for college football. Big brands, yeah, the the, the overwhelming segment or sorry, or sorry, uh it's not the word. I can't think of it. Anyway. Big brands being good is co- is good for college football? Absolutely it is. You, but you can't narrow it down. Oh, well, people have been waiting on Tennessee. No. No. Yeah. If Texas had beaten Alabama in week two and were undefeated, Texas being back would be a good thing for college football. What is it with Tennessee wanting to get, take credit for everything? You, you mentioned the baseball thing. Yeah. It's mind-blowing. That kind of take comes from somebody that is either um, incapable of forming uh, intelligent thought or is insulated in a bubble. And so when things are exciting where they are, they think everybody's excited. I imagine living in Knoxville right now is pretty cool. Tennessee's really fun. It's a fun team. They are fun. But because everybody around you is excited doesn't mean the country is. It's it's this weird thing that happens when people are filled with this bubble. Tennessee is not unique at all. That's what's so goofy about a take like that. This one team out of 130 being good raises the profile of the sport. College football has not missed Tennessee for the last 15 years. Hasn't missed it. It's grown. It's grown. There's more money. There's more viewers. It keeps freaking growing despite Tennessee being a disaster. They're not unique because the selling point is, oh, well, you know, Tennessee's got a this this brand and a history of success and this big stadium and a rabid fan base. I was like, you just described dozens of programs in college football. Yeah. If Wisconsin was doing exactly what Tennessee was doing, mm-hmm. big, good brand, gigantic stadium, great environment, good for college mm-hmm. football. You know what was good for college football? Michigan being in the playoff last year. Yep. Because Michigan has been sort of missing from that top tier. Having them back in it, big for college football. Georgia winning a national title, good for college football. We can all say that, oh, Georgia's one of those teams that go to the playoffs every year. They hadn't won one yet. So that gave you know another team winning a national title. That's the first. You know, they, they're not a new national champion, but you know when was the last time we had a new national champion? I know the answer to that. It's 1996. Florida was the, fir- the last first-time national champion. That's 
since since then, every team that's won a national title had already won a national title. That's crazy. That that, that is yeah. that is a thing. But college football is filled with rabid fan bases and great stadiums yeah. and history and then of success. There's eleven of them in the SEC. Where if they won, you're like, yeah, that place is nuts. Then there's the other side of this. That this is the one that got me is Tennessee putting a GoFundMe together to try to pay for their goalposts. Are you for freaking real? You get a $60 million a year check from the SEC Network. You just you just had a football game where you had 100,000 people in the stadium. I know the tickets were more than a dollar. Are you going to really sit there and try to, with a straight face, tell me you need a hundred grand out of your fans? Just say, look, just say this, like, hey, we just beat Alabama. Now's the time to commit to Tennessee. Up your donation to whatever their, their version of the Bulldog Club, the Loyalty Foundation is. We need you, to, if we want to keep winning games like that, we need you to commit. Don't come out here and be like, we need to pay for our goalpost. Tennessee sneezes and a hundred grand falls out of their pockets. It's a joke. <laughs> Poverty. Yeah. The way that was phrased bothered me too. It's like, use it as a fundraising opportunity, not. Hey, yes. you guys! You tore down our goalposts, and and we need money to fix them. Give give me a break! But I, I get so exhausted, and maybe it's because of where we are, because that kind of stuff isn't said in 2014 when Ole Miss and State were good. The college football purists liked it, and the the, mm-hmm. the people in media like Andy Staples, th- those guys appreciate when somebody like Ole Miss or Mississippi State are good, or Kansas or whatever. But you didn't get this Colin Coward on his 400 stations. Oh, man, college football needs USC. No, no, it doesn't. And why don't you say that about... So that, that kind of take always bothers me. It's Why is Tennessee special? They're not. There are dozens of Tennessees in college football. In the ACC, there's Clemson, there's Florida State, Virginia Tech. Rabid fan base, incredible environment, been successful in the past, haven't been lately. Miami, the SEC, again, has got like 11 of them. The Big Ten, Penn State, history of success, haven't won lately. Rabid fan base, incredible environment. Michigan, you, you mentioned. Wisconsin, Iowa, places with rabid fan bases, histories, uh, good histories, some better than others, but still incredible environments. Oregon in the Pac-12. USC in the Pac-12, Texas, Oklahoma. I mean, you can just name dozens of these programs. Tennessee is not special. They're not unique. They are fun. What yeah. happened Saturday was what we love about college football. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. But they're not special. Neyland yeah. Stadium's not special. I will say, it's like a dozen other is, stadiums in the country. This is the third game this year over 10 million views. I can only imagine how many people would have watched if NIL hadn't destroyed the sport. Don't y'all feel foolish now? Yeah. You know, you know, every last one of you, every last one of you that said, oh, NIL, this is ridiculous. I won't, I won't be a part of this. You're tuned in every week. You're locked in. You're watching these games. You're going to games. Don't act like you aren't. Not for one second. It's all a sham. It's all I, I hate this term, but it's all virtue signaling. That's all it is. You're watching college football. You're loving it the same way I am. Hunter says Wisconsin isn't in the same conversation as Tennessee. Tennessee is a blue blood. There isn't dozens of blue bloods. What makes them one? 
They won a national title when I was six years old. I was six. The players on the field weren't alive when Tennessee won their last national championship. What makes them a blue blood more so than Wisconsin? Wisconsin's had more recent success than Tennessee. Again, the Tennessee football players currently playing were not alive when Tennessee won their last national championship. I was six. Maybe they got like a 24-year-old on the field. Maybe he was, you know. They do. His name's Hendon Hooker. Hendon Hooker was crawling. Maybe, maybe, maybe. He was getting swaddled, taking five naps a day. When Tennessee Hooker was already running four six at that age, <laughs> it's kind of legend he is. Oh man, a lot of good texts came in. We're not going to be able to get to them all. We're just kind of running short on time. We appreciate all of you, though. Don't get me wrong. We appreciate all of you. Uh, there's just a lot of texts today, and we played Mike Leach earlier, so we got to get to Lane Kiffin when we come back. His media op. You know what we do on Tuesdays. So that'll be next. Lane Kiffin recapping the win over Auburn talking about the challenge, and he gives a lot of credit to the environment uh, that they're about to walk into in Baton Rouge. We'll hear that when we come back. The best. The best. Sports talk in the state. It's the best thing. Say that again. We the best on three. One, two, three. We the best. Sports Talk Mississippi. Super Talk Mississippi. Michael Borky and Brian Haydad with you. We heard from Mike Leach earlier. Here's Lane Kiffin meeting with the media this week. Recap of the game. I do really enjoy uh, how we finished. I'm very proud of him for that. That's not always been the case this year or over the years, even when we win games, um, you know, we give them the ball back by not doing a very good job in four-minute situations, um, including that team right there. That last time they were in the stadium, we had the ball, the chance to win. So <clears throat> that was really good uh, to come out after the delay to stop them, you know, when they're in four-down situations, which is always hard. You know, they made actually two fourth downs during that drive and we eventually stopped them and got the ball back and didn't give them the ball. So that was good. Um, <clears throat> I mean, obviously there was run issues. You know, both sides good and bad for us offensively. It was really good to have that many yards rushing and 300 yard rushers is a lot of people doing things right. Not just the offensive line. Um, and not very many negative negative runs at all with I mean besides two knees what 67 carries the other side very very poor job of keeping up explosive runs Um, you know we've been pretty good at limiting explosive plays you know we do plus minus explosive just like most would do turnovers Um, you know we're plus I don't know 40 46 or 44 or something on the year Um, you know which is a very important stat to winning. So we did not do that in the run game on defense. So we need to get better at that. <clears throat> um, but, you know, it was a good win. Went at home against a program we would not won against in six years. It's always cool to break streaks and continue our home streak. 
I thought the crowd was really good. You know, obviously we lost some at the lightning delay, but prior to that, it was good and, um, you know, created a lot of energy to start the game. And it went up 21 nothing, whatever, 17 minutes in the game or something. Lane, uh, with how explosive and, and dominant the running game was on Saturday between the running backs and also Jackson, obviously, you know, you can't expect to get 400 yards and that amount of touchdowns all the time with those guys, but how sustainable do you think, like, an above-average level of production could be with, you know, with, with that group? Well, obviously, you got to be realistic in any level, but especially the SEC, you know, that's not going to happen. And, They said that's, I think, the most yards in 10 years or something in SEC versus SEC game. So uh, we've had two really explosive run game games, you know, uh, in Georgia Tech and in that game. But, you know, we've got to be consistent, run the ball really well. Those numbers aren't going to be like that every week. And, you know, people, people coach. And so... Gear up to stop certain plays once you run them. So it's not like we were just running normal inside zone and making all those yards. There were a lot of schematical perimeter runs and crack blocking and things in there that you know people will, will coach up. You don't get to you know just keep running the same plays and they work um, very long, in my opinion. When you guys reviewed the film, were you able to pinpoint anything specific that was going wrong with the run defense, or was it kind of just a lot of different things? I think we started really well. I think I want to say four series in a row to start the game, and <clears throat> uh, you know, and then you know we jumped out of some gaps and we missed some tackles, and that's what usually what goes on in the run game uh, for explosive runs. And we have a lot of people up there, and so when it breaks, they break bad, you know, um, in what we were doing because. We're up there a lot because of the run and because of the quarterback we were playing. And so the problem with that is when it breaks, there's not a lot of people back there. LSU's got another quarterback that likes to run. You guys have struggled a little bit against those dual threat guys. What are the challenges you've seen so far about Jaden Daniels? Uh, I thought he played great the other night, um, running and throwing. And, you know, I've seen him before, uh, you know, when he was transference of just seeing him over time and very explosive player and then they seem to have got the receivers going and uh, really were great on third down and great in general you know whenever they were throwing the ball you guys have uh, started redshirt freshman tackles the last few weeks how would you kind of evaluate where those guys are at now I think they've done really well um, I think Last week was a, a big test, you know, for them. Um, I guess it'd be what their third start together, and you know, to play against some really good players. Uh, so they, they did really well and protected the quarterback well, and really did good in the run game. Through three SEC games, his first SEC games. How would you kind of evaluate Jackson at this point? Yeah, I think Jackson's done a really good job, um, you know, running the system within the system. You know, you don't see a bunch of screwed up plays or formations or, you know, where 
it looks like he's going the wrong way or the back is and a lot of that's you know him communicating this stuff because of how we run the system and how fast it has to go so i think he's done a great job with that you know interception was a freak interception so um, i think i think he's done a really good job uh just your first kind of sustained road trip uh back-to-back -back road games just i know you've talked about these road games with this team before just are there challenges now or how do you feel they've kind of handled those two heading into these next two yeah i think we've <clears throat> we've played really well on the road obviously this is a different animal um you know in the first two places that we played and so no disrespect to those places but this will be a real atmosphere and crowd noise and for our guys to go into and with that's a lot of challenges of just staying focused and doing things really well and it'll be very challenging what are your memories of or does anything stand out about your past matchups against brian kelly from those usc notre dame days um not really i mean you know i think they won both times out in the coliseum we won when we went there to play our backup quarterback was playing when they won but um they actually we had a chance in a fourth in a goal line where we didn't make four plays in a row and they won the game and um you know ended up you know going to the Asher championship along those lines it's kind of what are your i guess your past experiences in tiger stadium the teams have gone there and kind of gotten out of their element a little bit when they've played there how do you also kind of prevent that a little bit I mean, we just got to stay focused and play each play and do your job. And, um, you know, like you said, a lot of teams have performed not very well there. You know, they've got a great winning record over the years there. Their, their crowd um, understands football and is into it as much as any place that you go. So um, played some really challenging games there. After going over the film, what, what would be your assessment of the tight end play on Saturday? I think Casey did a great job. He played a ton of snaps. I think he played 80 snaps or something, um, which is too much. And um, But he's a competitor, warrior, had a big block on, uh, you know, the, the run that broke right before the lightning delay for the touchdown. And very competitive and was a big part of the game plan even though the statistics don't show it in catching um, but as you saw a lot of different types of blocks Lane we talk about how successful the running game has been with those two guys this year and you talked about Jackson's progression through the last couple of weeks and he's still relatively new I mean you know in his first year here just getting that gig a few weeks ago in the event that you know the running game was really shut down like based on whoever you play if the defense really schemed up for to shut down the running game how confident would you be in kind of letting Jackson cook back there and, and slinging it well I think just two games ago that happened a little bit you know we were struggling at Vanderbilt you know with some run stunts up front and what they were doing and and Jackson threw for whatever 450 yards or something so um, we're very confident every game's independent every game plan is different every week and um, I think little unique that way and you know you kind of never know what you're going to see when you play us we don't just run a system I'm not saying which way is bad or good I'm just saying we change a lot obviously year to year but even week to week so um, we just always try to give our players the best chance to win 
And if you've been with us the whole time, that was the answer that uh, we, we made reference to when talking about Mike Leach and in his offense. I mean, you hear it the detail, the 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 vast difference from week to week, and and all that 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 they implement in their game plan. It's real, and it shows that that's not lip service. A little earlier as well, where we talked about uh, you just can't run the same plays over and over again. I thought that might have been like a little bit of a. I don't know if shot's the right word, but it's sort of a tweak. Maybe he uh, he watched the film from that game earlier this season. and Yeah. Either way. So that was Lane Kiffin. I'm Michael Borky. He's Brian Hayden. we got final thoughts with you when we come back at Sports Talk Mississippi on a Tuesday. Mississippi to the junction in the grove and to the top. Sports Talk Mississippi on Super Talk Mississippi. We get a message that says, All I heard was we couldn't run on Vandy, Hale State. That is not exactly what he was trying to say. Uh, Auburn's run defense, by the way, better than Vanderbilt's. But what he was saying is the looks that Vanderbilt presented them in their philosophy, they don't run on those looks. So therefore, they opened up the passing game and threw for 450 yards. Auburn gave them pro-run looks, and so they ran the ball and ran it on Auburn. That's what he's talking about. Not, we tried, failed, so we just let Jackson just kind of throw it all over the place because why not? It was... When Vanderbilt presented a certain look defensively, they call plays to counteract what the defense shows. It's what they were. Either way, though, he say, sometimes you can get good answers from him, and it takes like your buddy John to do it. A lot of times he's just very dry and stuff, but that was pretty insightful. It takes the gigantic seven foot two TV guy to get him to talk, I guess. I guess. Slightly I exaggerating know. on his height, he's more like six six, but still a, a tall but guy. But still, yeah. <laughs> yeah. He is he's he's quite large. I'm Michael Bork, he's Brian Haydad. A lot of these kind of questions today, and I guess we gotta talk about them if you guys want us to, but we we get another question from Jeff. How hot is Leach's seat if slash when he loses again to Ole Miss? I mean, nothing's going to happen this year. Nothing's going to happen this year. But you, you can't you can't go on like that. Washington, Washington State is is a different animal, right? Washington State fans, I mean, they understand that there's a there's a huge gap in the programs between Washington and Washington State. Washington is more like a an LSU in terms of what how they recruit. Washington State is Washington State. So you know you expect to lose that game. Give me Washington State's record against Oregon State, you know, or the, a team that's a little closer to them in the recruiting profile. So that being said, State and Ole Miss, the program's not that far apart. Ole Miss definitely has the edge right now. They're the better football program right now. 
But you and I both know that that will flip in the next couple of years. It always does. But it's got to happen. you gotta, you got to start beating them. You can't continue to lose to Ole Miss if you want to be the head coach of Mississippi State. And then the other side of that's true as well. I don't think if, if the other way was if it had gone the other way and Kiffin was 0-2 against Ole Miss or against Mississippi State, there would be people talking like, hey, you need to beat them. It's just, it's just natural. Get a message saying that would be unacceptable. Well, if you're talking about like job versus no job, it, it will be acceptable. For what it's worth. It will be acceptable for one more year. Yep. Uh, other lines in college football. Big games this weekend. Not so much for Fox's big noon kickoff. Ohio State at home against Iowa is a 30-point favorite. Yikes. So that 30 nothing. So 30 nothing. That's the final yeah, score. It's going to be the final yeah, score. That's the final. Uh, the, the big 11 o'clock game is Syracuse-Clemson. Clemson's a 13.5-point favorite. But that's undefeated Syracuse and Garrett Schrader going... <laughs> Isn't that crazy? They're I remember Syracuse went undefeated when I was a kid. They went undefeated. They, they tied Auburn in the Sugar Bowl to finish 11-0-1. It's quite some... Quite, quite some it was a long time ago. <laughs> They're back, though, so long you can watch... Uh, if you're a state fan waiting for your game to start, you can watch Garrett Trader play quarterback at Clemson. That's... Yeah. That's your big 11 o'clock game this week, at least in terms of actual interest... Always uh, like Trader. Yeah, he's he's tough, man. I mean, inconsistent throwing oh, the football still, nails, but he's yeah. tough. Yeah. Two thirty's a good slot if you're looking for some games to watch. Ole Miss LSU, obviously UCLA's at Oregon, number nine versus number ten, six good point game. line in favor of the Ducks in that one. Ooh, we'll see. UCLA playing well. Also at 2.30, Texas is at Oklahoma State. They're a six-point favorite in Stillwater. Ooh. Ooh, I don't know about that. Stillwater, tech, Oklahoma State looking to get back on, on track after what happened last weekend. And Yee. your nightcap, absent Mississippi State-Alabama, stinks. It's Minnesota at Penn State, that game. No, no. At... No, no. Including well, but for us, we're interested. Uh, I can't yes. sell you on Minnesota, Penn State, and I can't sell you on Kansas State, TCU. Although that game might be fun, might be, might be. But those, those are your games this weekend. Earlier, the earlier the better. Another week where the the better games on the schedule are getting played while the sun is still up. It's weird how that's changed. It is. Like, the primetime games, people have kind of gotten away from them for whatever reason. So I don't know what it is. Either way. Good show today. Thank all of you so much for being a part, texting in, listening. Don't forget to download our podcast wherever you get them. Sports Talk Mississippi. Subscribe. And you get this show uninterrupted, commercial-free. For Richard Cross, who's off today, he'll be back tomorrow. I'm Michael Borky. He's Brian Haydad. Thank you again. We'll see you tomorrow at 3. Good night.
Running a business is tough. If you're struggling with HR benefits and payroll, you're not alone. Many businesses just don't have the resources to keep up. That's where MWG Employer Services comes in. We provide a full range of employer services with everything from payroll to benefits to HR services and compliance and can create a custom plan that fits your needs and budget. We're a Mississippi-based company that can help you focus on what you do best, growing your business. Call MWG Employer Services today at 601-206-7966 or go to MWG Employer Services A Super Talk Mississippi media production.